Well, good morning, church. How you doing this morning? Good. Hey, what a great worship band. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that was good. Good. Well, hey, as uh, uh, your pastor said, my name is Sean Tomei, and I am the uh, executive director for the Northwest Christian Evangelistic Association. Um, see if I get a picture of my family back there for you. Um, that's not it. There's my family. I need to update this picture. Um, been married to my wife, Angel, for 23 years now. She's been putting up with me. And uh, my oldest daughter, McKenna, is studying nursing over at Grand Canyon University and will graduate this year and get married in June. So that's kind of a fun thing for us right now. Still working through that one as a dad. Uh, Emily is our 18-year-old, and she's down at Point Loma University in San Diego, and she is just soaking in all the sunshine right now, so she's loving that. Anthony's my 16-year-old, and um, he's a junior this year, and Annabelle is our caboose. She's 12, and so I'm blessed with the family. I don't know what's going on with this mic here this morning. Um, we okay? All right. I just realized that you guys have a balcony. Just want to welcome you guys this morning. <laughs> Yeah, didn't did not see that at all for service. So um, <laughs> welcome, good to have you guys with us. <laughs> um, the vision for our ministry, we're really just asking uh, God to use us uh, to be part of a movement and a ministry here in the Northwest. We want to see Jesus Christ exalted as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We really don't want to see anyone else share the spotlight with Jesus. And we really want to see the kingdom of God expanded, especially here in the Northwest. And we really have three different um, goals that we go after within our ministry. Number one, we're called to just come alongside and encourage pastors. We just want to love on them. We want to pray for them. We want to care for them and their families. Number two, we want to help equip churches to be healthy and making disciples that will make disciples that will make disciples. And then number three, we want to help establish new churches that will help reach more lost people for Jesus. And let me just give you the background a little bit of why we feel like this is where, where we're going. Um, this next slide here uh, just gives you an overview. Uh, a, com a ministry by the name of Exponential, they did a survey over the last few years of 350,000 churches in America. And basically what they did is they, uh, they identified five different levels of churches after their survey. Level one, they said, was a, uh, a dying church or a church that was subtracting, going backwards, losing people. Level two church is a church that's just plateauing and just kind of barely hanging on and surviving. Level three church is a church that's growing uh, one at a time. Level four church is a church that's reproducing itself, saying that we want to be part of a uh, of a ministry that's going to reproduce more churches and help start more churches. And level five is a multiplication movement where there's just a movement of churches that are taking off. Um, and so basically, they, they, after the study, they uh, gave uh, some statistics on where the churches were at, which was super helpful just to get an understanding of what's happening in America. 80% uh, of churches fall into level one or two. 80% of churches, they say, are either dying um, and declining, or, they're, or they're, they're just maintaining. They're just, they're just hanging out. Um, level three churches, they're saying that 16% of them uh, are going to... We're going to switch. Yeah, that's... Okay. 
Uh, level three churches, are, they say, are 16%. Churches that are actually growing and uh, moving forward, so about 16%. Level four churches are what they're saying, 4%. So they're saying 4% of churches in America are actually being intentional about wanting to start new churches. And level five churches, they're saying it's just uh, maybe 0.005. They have found uh, maybe two or three churches, one in Tampa, uh, Florida, another one in Hawaii, that are planting a movement of churches. And so what we're asking God to do with us is we're asking God to use this ministry to help come alongside, encourage pastors, equip leaders, and start new churches, and just move the needle for wherever churches are at to wherever it is that God is calling them to go. And so we're looking forward to that. And one of the things that we do is we establish new churches. And this is just a, a quick overview of some of the churches that we have had a chance to partner with. Uh, about three plus years ago, we helped start a church along with a, a couple other church planning organizations, the CEA um, and uh, a church back in Louisville, Kentucky. They, uh, we, uh, we planted this church called Church of the City in downtown Portland. Now, if you know anything about downtown Portland, it's basically uh, split up into about 95 communities, districts like that. And Russell and Emily Clum and Church of the City, they have a vision of putting a church in every one of those communities downtown Portland. They want to be a reproducing church. They want to see movement take place. Another church that we helped start was um, uh, Lampstand House Church Network. We did that a couple of years ago for the sole purpose of we realized that not everyone is going to be willing to walk into the four walls of a church building. So we're trying to think how can we just take uh, the gospel into every nook and cranny of darkness with the hope of Jesus Christ. And then um, our latest project right now is uh, called Movement Church. And there you have a picture of Sam and Kelsey Wake and their little two-year-old girl journey. And actually, Kelsey's pregnant and due uh, in a month. And a uh, neat story about these guys is that they, along with 15 other people, moved from Newburgh, Indiana a year and a half ago, picked up the whole clan, left family, friends, everything, and moved across the country and moved into inner southeast Portland so that they could help start a church for a group of people, their, their targeted area. Uh, I think they said 7% of people within their target area go to some type of religious service once a month. And so they're looking for ways to help bring the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to that particular area. And then um, we just got back from Texas, and we actually have now another couple that uh, have said yes to the Lord's call to go and start a new church as well. Bob and Stephanie Johnson, they're actually with me this morning. Go and raise your hands, guys. You want to go talk with them and pray for them as they set out on a new venture. They'll be our next church planters so that we can continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. I had the opportunity to meet with um, your leadership this morning, and I just want to let you know how excited I was coming out of that meeting, because when I look at those five different levels, um, the, the thing that helps move one church from one level to another level is their intentional focus in on discipleship. And it was so exciting to sit with the leaders this morning and hear about what God has been doing over the last year, year and a half, and moving this church into more of intentional ways of discipleship. So I'm just very, very excited for you guys and what the Lord has in store with that. If you're interested in wanting to know more about our ministry, I have uh, some information back there at the end of the service. I'd be happy to talk with you more about that. You can follow us on Facebook or on Instagram or any of those social media um, pieces as well. Okay. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I would like us to continue to look at the One Another series that Mike asked me to come in and speak to you on. And we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 2 is going to be our starting place this morning. So as you turn there, I'll go ahead and pray for us.
Father, thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us. And God, I, I just want to praise you right now for the work that you are doing in your church here in Florence. Father, I thank you for the leaders that love you, that love the people of this church, that have a heartbeat and a vision for being a disciple-making, reproducing church. And Father, I pray that you just continue to give the leaders your wisdom and your direction as you want them to lead your church, Jesus. And I thank you for the body here, for the children, the youth, the women, and the men that love you, that love one another, and are on mission for you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would continue just to teach us what it means to be united together as your church. Father, I pray that you would help us to fight for the unity of your church so that we can continue to be faithful in carrying out your mission. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you into our time this morning of teaching, asking you to lead us, not just with information, but Father, that we would walk away from our time together, being encouraged and challenged to go and to do something for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 10.10 says this, that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to its full. Jesus reminds us that there is an enemy that we have, and he's a thief, and he's looking to steal and to kill and to destroy. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul reminds the church in Ephesus, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He reminds them, there is a devil out there and he does have schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. So Paul's reminding the church, listen, there is an enemy that's out there. You need to be aware of that. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I don't think about this often, but if I were to think along these lines, if I were the devil, this is what I would do. If I was the devil, I would do whatever I could to discourage God's people. Whatever I could do just to discourage you to stop doing what God wants you to do, I would focus in on that. If I was the devil, I would try to create doubts in your mind. I would try to create doubt in who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing and what he promises to do in the future. I would try to put seeds of doubt within your mind and in your heart. If I was the devil, I would try to distract you as much as I could from people being actively involved in the mission of Jesus. I would try to make you as comfortable as possible and tell you, you know, it's not really your job to be out there and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me distract you with something else. If I was the devil, I would try to disconnect you from Jesus himself, from spending quality time with him, abiding in him, and sitting with him. I would do my best to disconnect you from one another. 
so that you don't have a support system whatsoever. But if I had only one strategy, and if I was the devil, this is what I would do. I would try to destroy the unity in God's church. I would do my best to get in and create cracks and whatever I could just to make sure that, that you are not united at all. And church, we need to be reminded this morning that there is an enemy, and the enemy is looking to take the church down. So therefore, as the family of God, this is the central truth that I want us to wrestle with this morning. As the family of God, you and I must make every effort to fight for the unity of God's church so that we can live out his mission. Let me say that one more time. As the family of God, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, you and I must make every effort to fight for the unity of the church so that we can continue to live out the mission that God has called us to live out. So my question for us this morning is, what are you doing to fight for the unity of God's church here in Florence Christian Church? What are you doing? In order for us to understand what we need to do, we first need to understand where we're coming from, that we are all part of the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2, as we are reminded, we are sons and daughters of the King. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's reminding them that they have been made alive in Christ. Starting in verse 1, he says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and the thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Let me stop there for a second and ask you a question, church. Who is Paul referring to? that has gone astray. Us, God's, God's people, we, are, we were sinners that were saved by grace. This is all of us. So Paul reminds us as we start working towards unity, first we have to be reminded this is where we came from. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy... He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And it is by grace that you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through your faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's actually the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork or his masterpieces, and we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we are going to have unity in the church, we first have to start with this level playing field right here. That it is only because of who God is, what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, that He has moved us from being sinners now into being saints. 
So when we're united, what we're doing is we're realizing that it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, male or female, you have all your stuff together or you don't, it doesn't matter. We all come to the same place at the foot of the cross, sinners saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, so that we can live a new life in Christ. Amen? And when we first understand that, we realize, okay, we're united. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. And Jesus is the one that brings us together. It's not by anything that we have done or that we do. In fact, it's, it's all because of what God has done in Jesus for us. Therefore, unity takes place in the family of God when we understand who we are in Christ. And it takes place when we understand that we are a new creation in Christ. And as a new creation in Christ, we need to be patient with one another, right? I don't know about you, but I've not yet arrived into my Christ-likeness. If you don't believe me, I've got a wife and four kids that would be happy to tell you of the areas that I haven't. But as the body of Christ, we're united because we're all on the same journey, asking God to mold and shape us to become more and more like Him for His glory. And we need to be patient and gentle with one another. And what's beautiful about that is that God wants to use us as His masterpiece for good works that He has prepared in advance to do. For some crazy reason, God wants to use His church that is full of messy people for His glory and for His works. If we want unity, we first have to start off by understanding we are part of the family of God because of who Jesus is. But as the family of God, we must fight for the unity within the church because there is an enemy that's after destroying it. Uh, turn a couple chapters over to chapter 4 as Paul continues to speak to the church of Ephesus and now he's, he begins to lay into them about living this new life in Christ. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live worthy of the calling you received. He's reminding them, as a new, new person in Jesus, we're now living a new life of the calling that we've received in him. Listen to some of the one another's that maybe you've already gone over in the last few weeks here. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Are you ready for this? Verse 3. Make every effort to keep what? The unity of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What does Paul say to the church in Ephesus? Man, you guys need to make every effort to fight for the unity of the Spirit of God that's at work in you, that's at work within me, bonding us together so that we can be on mission for Him. And he says, make every effort to do so. Now, church, let me ask you this question. Who's Paul talking to in this passage? Us. Do you notice that he just doesn't say to the elders and to the pastors and to the deacons, I need to make sure that you guys are making every effort to work on the unity of peace, the unity of spirit? 
But instead, he's speaking to all of us as followers of Jesus. We must understand, if you are a follower of Jesus, it is your responsibility to make every effort possible to fight for the unity of the body of Christ. It's not just the leaders. Uh, turn your book, uh, Bible over uh, two more books to Colossians chapter 3. Paul continues uh, to you know, share these same themes amongst churches as he's writing to the church in Colossae. We're jumping in the middle of it, but I just want you to see his heartbeat as he's talking to the churches and reminding them of this importance. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people... You're holy and dearly loved, right? We're new creations in Christ. Now we're holy in His eyes. Here comes the one others. Ready? Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves with kindness. Clothe yourselves with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul's saying, listen, God forgave you. You guys forgive each other. You need to work on this. You need to love one another. And verse 14, and over all of these virtues that he just got done talking about, over all of these virtues, I want you to put on what? Love. I want you to put on love because when you put on love, this is what happened. It binds them all together in what? Perfect unity. It binds all these things together in perfect unity. If there is any group of people that should be displaying this incredible, unbelievable type of unity, it should be God's church. The outside world should be looking out and looking into us and going, Oh my goodness, what in the world is going on with these people? They have this incredible love. Why do they love so well? Why are they so united? Well, it's because we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and we're just a bunch of people trying to become more and more like Jesus and loving one another and being on His mission. Are we loving one another? Whenever I get a chance to speak at a church... I always wear these shoes. These are my favorite shoes, and some of you may not be able to see them. Balcony can probably see them. Thank you. Thumbs up, good. My wife hates these shoes. She honestly, she's, she's like, really? Are, are you, are you going to seriously go speak in those shoes? And I love these shoes not just because they're comfortable, but here's what happens. Wherever I go when I wear these shoes, Guess what happens? People talk to me. People notice. And I'm a strong extrovert, so I like this. It just opens up doors. It's fantastic. But people notice. And then we begin to get into a conversation. They're like, man, those are like really crazy awesome shoes. Or they're like, yeah, those shoes are, yeah, those are interesting. Right? And they're just kind of, uh, they're taken back by it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, isn't that supposed to be the church? Shouldn't you and I be living our lives in such a way that we are loving each other so well that we are encouraging one another and bonding together and being united in such an incredible way that the outside world goes, Oh my goodness, what in the world is going on in there with those people? 
What, what does Jesus say? That people will know that you are Christians by your love. Uh, Bob and Stephanie and I, we came up from Texas um, last week and then I jumped on the max train to head back to Portland. And uh, as I sat down, uh, a guy walked down and uh, he sat down and he started just telling me a little bit of his story and kind of got to know him. Uh, his name was Joseph. And then all of a sudden, Joseph starts telling me that he just got out of jail for the last 10 years in Montana. And then shortly after he's done telling me that story, this other guy walks in, Tracy, and he sits down and he starts engaging in conversation. And all of a sudden, Tracy starts telling Joseph how he just got out of San, San Quinn prison for the last six years. And they're swapping stories about what they did to get into prison. And, you know, they look at me and I'm like, yeah, I'm just a pastor over here. <laughs> and th this is what broke my heart. One of the guys was talking about an organization downtown Portland, a Christian organization, how he's gone there multiple times and how he's felt nothing but judgment and shame and guilt. And the only way that he can get his needs met is if they have to sit through a gospel presentation. And then the other guy began to tell him, he's like, well, you should go check out this other organization up in Vancouver. And they're awesome, and they love you so much. And they are just wonderful, and they helped me get an apartment, and man, they're amazing. And you know what I found out? The one in Portland is Christ-based, and the one in Vancouver is not. We should be men and women of incredible love. But it starts here in the body of Christ. We love because we were loved first. We extend the same love because that was the same love that God extended to us. Right? As a family of God, we are called to fight for the unity of the love with Jesus. I love what Mother Teresa said. She goes, you want to change the world? Go love your family. It's not interesting. You want to change the world? Start by loving your family. We want to be salt and light to the darkness out there, church. Let's start by loving one another well. And let that be a light. We are the family of God fighting for the unity in the church so that we can live out the mission of Jesus. Uh, turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, please. If you're familiar with the Gospel of John and you're familiar with John chapter 17, it's this uh, high priestly prayer that Jesus is praying for himself and then he prays for his disciples. Then he actually prays for you and for me even as we're here today. And in John 17, 11, in the midst of this prayer, just listen to what Jesus is praying over his disciples. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, referring to his disciples, are still in the world and now I'm coming to you talking to his father about returning back to heaven. So he says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Did you catch that? Jesus is praying, and the focus of his prayer is that his disciples would be one, just as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Spirit are in one together, that they also may be one together as well. But that doesn't stop there. Look at verse 20. Look how he continues to pray. He 
He says, my prayer is not for them alone, referring to his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, Jesus prayed for you and for me to be one. May they also be in us. Are you ready? May they also be in us so that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did, did you see that? His prayer is that you and I would be one so that the world would believe in Jesus Christ. What's one of the strategies to reaching the lost? The unity of God's church. So good. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them, you in me. Ready? So that they may be brought to complete unity. And then when they're brought into complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. Church, we are to fight for the unity of the body of Christ so that we can go and be on mission for Jesus Christ. When you and I are united, here's what happens. You and I become the vehicle, the ambassadors, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then the question becomes, how? How do we fight for the unity in the body of Christ? And as Mike and I were talking about this uh, over the last week, there's only one way that we believe that we can honestly fight for the unity of the body of Christ. And that is if all of us are in agreement that we will keep our eyes focused on Jesus. The only way that you and I will be able to accomplish unity in the body of Christ is if all of us are in agreement and we are keeping our eyes focused in on Jesus. Please, may I beg you, don't put your eyes on a pastor. If they haven't already, they will let you down and disappoint you. Do you know why? Because they're sinners saved by grace just like you are. Please do not put your eyes on a group of elders because they will let you down. They will disappoint you. You know why? They're sinners saved by grace working towards being a saint in Jesus and a new creation as well. Please do not put your eyes on a worship style or a worship gathering. If you haven't noticed, times are changing. Things will continue to change, to continue to reach out to people. But if you put your eyes on something other than Jesus Christ, he's won. The devil has won. Isn't this what the author of Hebrews tells us? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And then let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us continue to run, not give up. We're going to continue to fight no matter what the case is. 
We're going to continue to do it, and we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus because he and he alone is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The only way that we're going to be able to accomplish unity, church, is if we continue together to focus our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. So what specific ways then will you continue to fix your eyes on Jesus as the body of Christ, as the family of Florence Christian Church? Three different ways that Mike and I came up with as you're continuing to move forward with your mission of loving God, loving people with Christ and community and culture. We'll just briefly mention them before we close here. First of all, with Christ, would you look for ways to specifically pray for unity? Just in your time with the Lord, in your time with other people, as you're together here, would you just look for specific, intentional ways to pray for the unity of the body of Christ? I told Mike last service, I was so thankful that he asked me to speak on this because the Lord used my prep time to remind me that one of the things that I need to be doing in my role is praying for the unity of God's churches. I believe prayer is our number one strategy. And so I just want to encourage you to look for ways, specific ways, to pray for the unity within the family of Florence Christian Church. Number two, within community, would you look for ways to practice unity with one another? Isn't that a fun word? Practice. When you hear the word practice, what comes to your mind? We're not quite there yet. We're learning, right? And as the body of Christ, you're learning, I'm learning, we're trying to figure this thing out. But you know what happens is when someone ends up hurting someone else's feelings or something goes sideways, what people end up doing is they pick up and they walk away and they leave the church. That's not what the book and the Bible and the scriptures call us to do. We're called to practice with one another. We're, it's going to get messy. If you have kids, you know that. We are the family of God. And we just need to practice unity with one another. Apologize up front. Practice together here in the gathering. Practice together in your community groups. Practice together in your women's Bible states. Whatever it may be, wherever it may be. But be willing to practice and don't give up on it. But continue to fight for it. And to practice the unity with one another in your community. And finally, the culture around us. Would you look for ways to participate in the unity of the mission of being, uh, 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 being on mission for sharing Jesus? It shouldn't surprise me anymore, but it still baffles me that 95% of people that call themselves Jesus followers have never shared their story or led someone to Jesus. And the last time that I checked, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus gave that to each and every one of us. Or what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ, as if though God was making his very appeal and presence in you and through you. 
One of the best ways that we can be about unity is if all of us are on board, all of us are on mission, all of us realizing that God is sending us into different places in order to show the love of God and share the story of Jesus. It's no longer about a pastor or a group of leaders. It's not just their job. And what's happened in America is we've created these environments where people can come in and just spectate and then you, you begin to have an opinion of whether you like something or you didn't like something and you can walk out those doors not transformed at all and not being on mission at all. When in all reality, we should be able to come together to encourage one another, to spur one another on, to share stories, to pray for one another, and to be like, okay, let's go out there and let's be Jesus to people. I don't know about you, but it's already hard enough as it is in the outside world trying to represent Christ well. I don't need the body of Christ destroying that unity for me. I need a group of people that are willing to say, I'm going to link arms with you and I'm going to be on mission with you. As the family of God, you and I must make every effort to fight for the unity of God's church so that we can continue to live out his mission until Jesus returns or calls us to be home. So my question for you this morning is, what are you going to do to fight for the unity of God's church? What are you going to do to fight for the unity of God's church. I can't think of a better way to end our time together as we talk about unity than to take the Lord's Supper together. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I'm going to invite the women and men to come up and, and the band uh, to come and lead us into the song. And what I'm going to ask you this morning is I'm going to ask you to take the emblems, the bread that represents his body, the juice that represents the blood. And I'm going to ask you just to take it and to hold it. And then during this song, I'm just going to ask you to pray and ask the Spirit to show you where it is that he's asking you specifically to help build unity in the body of Christ. And then I'll come back up together, and then we will take the bread and the juice together, remembering that Jesus just didn't die for you and just didn't die for the body, but also died for the lost that have yet to come to know him as well. So this time, the men and women will come forward, pass the emblems, let's take the song to reflect, and then we'll partake. We take the bread and and we're reminded of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken upon the cross for each and every one of our sins individually as a body and for the lost.
juice that reminds us of the blood of Jesus that was spilt upon the cross to move us from sinners to saints to servants of his kingdom. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your patience with us. Father, we need you to be able to express that towards one another. And we need you to be able to live that out on mission with those who don't yet know you. And so, Father, I pray that you would continue to use your family, this body of believers at Florence Christian Church, to be a family, to fight for the unity of this family, and to be on mission so that people will come to know Jesus Christ, disciples will be made that will make disciples, and churches will be planted for people to meet Jesus. We love you, Father. I pray that you would do immeasurably more than, you can, than these guys can even think or imagine, not by their power, but by your power, and not for, your, not for their glory, but God, for your glory and for your expansion. Thank you for the church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.